promise of good news. If you'll pray with me real quick, I'd just like to take a minute to open our minds and our hearts to what God has in store for us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would let whatever you want to be said be said this morning. I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to hear the words that you want us to hear, and I pray that um, you would just bring blessings down to this room this morning. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I still remember a lot of the babysitters that I had when I was little. Now, almost all of them were former youth ministry students here at Northwest. These babysitters will tell you that my brother and I were the most (laughs) well-behaved, polite, in bed by eight little boys. They would call us angel children. I guarantee is what I would say if any of that were true. In all all actuality, I in particular saw each new babysitter as my next opportunity to get exactly what I wanted. I knew that mom and dad would never go for an extra hour of video games or Swiss cake rolls for dinner, but the babysitters were fresh meat. There was no possible way that they could know any better than me, the seven-year-old. Once, I got so close to convincing one of them to let me sleep in my parents' bed. (laughs) So close. But unfortunately, phones had been invented by then, and he just sent them a text and asked if that was a thing, and they were like, no. And so I didn't get to sleep in my parents' bed. It's a silly example, but that's exactly what happens when we realize we have a little bit of access to a little bit of power. We get hungry, and we like to test the waters a little bit. When I was in elementary school, my teacher used this app called Class Dojo, and the idea was that each student had a little monster that represented them, and the teacher could award points to those of us who were following directions. The teacher could also subtract points from those of us who weren't listening or paying any attention to the lesson. One night, I was reading so that I could mark off my reading log for school, and my mom poked her head into my room. She was curious because, in passing, she had heard me call out a name she didn't recognize and say that I was subtracting a point from their monster. She asked me what I was doing, and I sheepishly admitted that I had created an entire class of fake students on Class Dojo so that I could be like my teacher. (laughs) The truth was that I liked the idea of being able to give and take away points. I liked the idea of having power, even from a young age, as we all do, Because the desire for power, after all, is embedded in our human nature. I'm sure that all of you have encountered authority in some way, shape, or form over the course of your life. Whether you had the authority or you saw someone else display theirs, we've all had firsthand experiences involving power. Every day we come across bosses and teachers and officers who all have some kind of authority over us. And the truth is that our world is in this place right now where power is automatically seen as a bad thing. We don't like it when someone else has authority. We don't like it when we feel small. We see all these politicians, celebrities, and other leaders, each with what we think is too much power, and without even listening to what they really have to say, we want to shut them down. Without even knowing the full story, we want to cancel them. 
Now, I don't disagree that there are people out there with too much power on their hands or that there are certain people who maybe shouldn't have as much power as other people. But I also don't believe that all power is bad. Just because someone has power doesn't automatically make them a villain. I'm really into this show right now about the origin story of Superman. So really, it's about Clark Kent. And a lot of the show is focused on the idea that Clark's abilities don't dictate whether he is good or bad. Most of the time, he makes the right choice and does everything he can to save the people in need. But every once in a while, red kryptonite works its way into the story. I think it's pretty well known that green kryptonite makes Superman weak and takes away his abilities. But red kryptonite actually alters his brain and turns him evil, at least in this version of the story. And it's a really interesting way to show that the power he has isn't what makes him a hero. He has to choose to use those powers for good. And that's what makes him a hero. Because power by itself is not evil. Power is actually a huge blessing, believe it or not. It's a gift from God. Think of it this way. If God is all-powerful, then all power must begin with him, right? So power originally was a gift from God. If you take a look in Genesis 1:28 we see that God intended for us to have power right from the start. He turns some of his own power over to Adam and tells him to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and govern it, and to reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Here, God gives Adam the power to live out three main responsibilities that I want to pay close attention to because I think that they're still applicable to us today. Being descendants of Adam and Eve, I think that it's our job now to carry out the responsibilities that they were given, and I think that we forget to do that sometimes. Now, these are the three responsibilities of power that God willed to mankind. The first of these is to be fruitful and multiply. Now, this phrase can be interpreted in two different ways, and I think that both are correct and equally important. The more obvious meaning of this phrase is to have children and raise them to love the Lord. Now, usually when we hear the term multiply, we think of offspring. And there were two of us, Adam and Eve, and then they had kids, and now look, there's 7.8 billion of us. That's not exactly how it worked, but Adam and Eve's family tree grew and grew, and now we have a whole world of people. So at first glance, it makes sense that God is asking us to grow family trees of our own. But I think this phrase has another meaning, one that I would argue is probably more important than the first, actually. Can, coincidentally or not, I think it's also the, one of the two which we most often overlook. While there are connotations that point to child, childbirth, when you read it in context with the Bible as a whole, this makes way more sense as a command from God to go out and make new believers. It makes sense for God to be telling Adam and Eve to have kids and multiply in that way because there's no one else around to share God's love with yet. But in regards to us, a people who are surrounded by 7.8 billion other people, this command has a deeper meaning. When God tells us to be fruitful and multiply, he wants two things from us. One, to live out our lives in accordance with what the Bible teaches so that we may bear spiritual fruit. And two, to share that fruit with those around us. Not necessarily limited to children of our own, but rather to bringing all others into God's kingdom helping those who were lost to understand who they are in God's eyes. 
It's our responsibility to bring unbelievers into a place of belief. So I like to think of this responsibility less of having children of our own and more of nursing all of God's children throughout their journey of spiritual growth, whether that be our own children or others completely unrelated to us, because we're all of us God's children, and it's our job to spread the word of God. He spoke it first, then through the mouths and the pens of dozens of prophets, including his own son, and now he speaks it through us. The second responsibility of power that God grants to us is to fill the earth and govern it. It's right there in the Bible. God commands us to take care of his people. Now, when we hear the word govern, God's not saying that all Christians have to work in the government. Although a government full of true believers would be a dream come true. But this is God telling us to go out into the world and do our part for the kingdom. Whatever that may mean for you because we get to be his kingdom workers. This might be news to you, but Jesus isn't here with us on earth anymore. But I think it's safe to say that he's left the functioning of his kingdom up to us. When Jesus meets the disciples post-resurrection, pre-ascension, he says this to them. And he, he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes is and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. There's no doubt that God is going to come back, and we will all live with him one day in the kingdom for all eternity. But we have to build the kingdom that we want to live in. We have to gather the people so that the kingdom is a kingdom and not just a little village. When God says to fill the earth and govern it, he doesn't mean that you aren't living out your perfect purpose if you don't do a specific job. He doesn't mean that you have to work in the government or even in a church to fulfill your responsibility as a follower of Jesus. He's telling you to go out and be an electrician, a teacher, a librarian, a janitor, a cashier, a waitress, or whatever else it is that you are called to do. But don't you dare convince yourself for a second that you can't do that thing for the glory of God. No matter what it is you do, you don't have to be a preacher to preach. Kingdom work is all work that's done to prepare the kingdom. The third and final responsibility that God gives us in Genesis is to reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God is telling us that we're above all his other creations here, right? So that means that I can throw my garbage out the window of my car and leave my empty water bottle on the ground at the park. Uh, no. It means that God made this beautiful place for us to live in, and he left this beautiful earth in our care. When he says to reign over it, he means to take care of it. When he says that we're in charge of the fish, the birds, and the animals, and later the plants as well, he doesn't mean that we should take that as our opportunity to trash this place. He means that he created all these amazing things to live in his kingdom, and he's left us to watch over it all. Now, this isn't really something that you hear preached very often, but I think it's important to pick up a piece of trash off the ground when you can. I think it's important to take care of our pets and our wildlife. Because God didn't leave us in charge of this earth to abuse it. 
He left us in charge of it so that we would flourish under our, it would flourish under our supervision. He left us in charge of it so that we could become trustworthy enough to live in an even more beautiful place someday. So, be fruitful and share the good news. Do your part for the betterment of the kingdom and pick up after yourself. <laughs> it's so amazing to me that God has left us with responsibility. Now, that might just seem like another chore, but when you really think about it, it's such a blessing, isn't it? God has left a little bit of his power in me and in you. And let me tell you, it's up to us whether we use that power for good or if we turn it into something bad. Now, I know that hearing that you have the power of God within you can be a daunting thing to hear. I get that. I do because it is a big responsibility. So the question now becomes, how do I use the power God has given me for good? How do I make sure I'm not abusing that power or using it for the wrong things or in the wrong ways? Well, if you're looking for an example, God gave us that too. One of my favorite icebreaker questions is, who's your favorite superhero? It says a lot about a person. And if your answer isn't Superman, then you're wrong. I actually found out today, I did the math, and 25% of my Sunday school class didn't know who Lois Lane was, and that was offensive to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Superman is my all-time favorite superhero. In most iterations of his story, he's the textbook example for what a good guy should act like. But even being the flawless specimen that he is, Superman has a fair share of mess-ups and mistakes. Because he isn't perfect. He's still human. Well, he's Kryptonian, but that's besides the point. The point is that even the most respectable and morally sound men and women in power are capable of abusing that gift from time to time. There are countless examples of who to look for if you want an example of what not to do. But in terms of an example of what we should do, I'll give you one guess. And in case you have no idea who I'm talking about, it's Jesus which by now we should all know is the safest church answer there is. <laughs> Say Jesus nine times out of ten in a church and you got it right. First of all, how do we know that Jesus had the power of God in him? Well, was he fruitful? Did he live out his life in accordance with the word of God? In 1 Peter 2.22 it says that Christ never sinned, so check. Did he multiply? Now let's think about this one because he didn't have any children of his own, but he did call others into the kingdom. Remember the countless miracles, feeding the 5,000, raising Lazarus, turning water into wine, just to name a few. Check. Did he do his work for the kingdom of God? I'd say so. John 19.30 says when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it's finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. And did he take care of the earth that God created? Well, he reminds us that God cares for all of his creatures multiple times. Like in Matthew 10, 29, where he reminds us that not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without God knowing. Or in Matthew 6, 28, where he says that God clothes the lilies of the field. So yes, I would say that Jesus is the ultimate example of what we should do with the power we've been given. If you want an example of what not to do with our power, I'd turn you to the Pharisees. 
I turn you to the hundreds of corrupted politicians, employers, CEOs, business owners, but if you're looking for the best example of what using your power for good looks like, open up your Bible. No other scene displays Jesus' powerful goodness than his death on the cross. John 19, 28 through 37 says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who'd been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found he was already dead, they didn't break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Now someone out there is thinking, What about the resurrection? And friend, that is indeed an amazing display of Jesus' power as well. But this is the ultimate picture of how he used his power for good. Because Jesus never gave it up. Even on the cross, he had his enemies in checkmate. Because when they looked up and saw him hanging there, nails in his hands and feet, and I thought that his death marked the end of all hope, so the evil spirits started celebrating what they thought was their great victory, Jesus knew. He knew. He saw the hand that Satan played, but he knew he had the royal flush. Yes, the resurrection was an astounding display of power, but that cross is where Jesus won the battle. In his death, he saved us. He gave up everything to fulfill the purpose that God gave him. And that, brothers and sisters is the end game move. As we transition into a time to remember that display of victory, a time to thank God for the example he gave us in Jesus, take a minute and reflect on that idea of how you might use the power God has given you for good. Ask him for guidance and then stop and listen to his response. I'm gonna pray over communion this morning and then our servers will bring around the trays and Steve's actually gonna come back up and we will receive communion together. Lord, I thank you for giving us such an amazing example of what to do with the power that we've been given. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so that we may have something to look to when, we, when we're confused about what to do with the responsibilities we have. I thank you for your love and for your grace and forgiveness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. His body given for you. His blood poured out.
Jesus, this morning we want to thank you uh, for those words uh, from Seth and how um, that was the way that you approached uh, your power move, that you laid down your life. And as we get ready to uh, enter into the week ahead, uh, may we consider how we could also kind of leverage our power in the same way to lay down our lives for others. Again, thank you for Jesus and for his example. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, I do want to pray for you as you get ready to leave today. Uh, I want to pray that we would follow the example of our Lord and that we would, we would kind of execute our power move this week. I love Seth's phrasing with that. Our power move to lay down our lives and serve others and change our world. So God bless you guys. Uh, elders will be in the overflow right after church. If you have any questions or prayer requests or prayer needs, they would love to meet with you. Let's close with one last song. God bless you guys.